Colossians chapter 4, starting at verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Well, that is God's word to us uh, this morning. Let me let me pray for us uh, as Chewy uh, comes up. Father God, we give you great thanks uh, for your word, the way that you speak through it and, and grow us to be disciples of the Lord Jesus. Father, as we... As we uh, uh, as we hear it, it's spoken on now through through Chewy. Be with him, uh, and and help us be so challenged and changed by this that it will impact our lives and help us be more like our Lord Jesus. Father, be with this, be with us in this. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. We're in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Good morning, my brothers and sisters. It's good to see you again. All right, let's start. In Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 6, the passage we have just read this morning, the Apostle Paul continues the discussions of the new person in Christ that began in chapter 3, verse 5. In chapter 3, verses 5 to 17, he discussed the personal characteristics of the new person. And in chapter 3, verses 18 to chapter 4, verse 1, he discussed the home life of the new person. In this morning passage, he broadened his scope of discussion to include unbelievers. He focuses especially on the speech of the new person because that is something the watching world will look at carefully when it evaluates Christianity. This passage talks about the two spiritual disciplines that Christians have the most guilt about, prayer and witnessing. Most of us struggle to faithfully pray and to witness. First, prayer. In verse 2, Paul encouraged Christians Devote yourself to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. Here, Paul mentions three things relating to prayer. A. Prayer with devotion. Paul begins by saying, devote yourselves to prayer. The word devote means adhere firmly to. It implies relenting persistence and is the opposite of hit and miss. Paul is saying something quite simple. Keep praying. Don't give up and be faithful. It brings back to mind how steadfast the early church was. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, 
Jesus told his disciples a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose hearts. B. With watchfulness. Pray with watchfulness. Look at the phrase, keeping alert in it. Paul doesn't leave us with just an exhortation. He also gives a couple of tips on how to remain devoted in our praying. Verse 2 continues by saying that we are to be keep alert or watchful or in some translation awake when we pray. Paul told the believers in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 6 let us not fall asleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober as the time approaches for the Lord's return. This exhortation brings to mind the words of Jesus to his disciples the night before he was crucified. In Mark chapter 14, verse 34, Stay here and keep watch. And in verse 38, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Watchful prayer provides the spiritual fortitude to face down temptation. Peter gave in to temptation and denied Christ a few hours later because he could not stay awake when he was supposed to be praying. Keeping alert talks about a defense, a protection, a guard. Prayer changes our perspective by making us aware of the dangers. In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18, after mentioning the need to put on the full armor of God, Paul says, Pray in the Spirit at all time in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the sins. C. Pray with thankfulness. The third phrase is with thanksgivings. We should never pray without thinking of at least one thing to thank God for. Gratitude is a stimulus to prayer. When we see answers to prayer, we will pray more. He has given us so many things. We can thank him for his presence, his provisions, his pardon, his promises, and for his purposes. Listen to how Paul put his own preaching into practice in the book of Colossians. So I'm going to quote a string of verses from Colossians. Chapter 1, verse 3. In our prayers for you, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father, who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. And chapter 2, verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, 
abounding in thanksgiving. Finally, chapter 3, verses 15 to 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the words of Christ dwell in you richly, teach and admonish one another in all wisdoms, and with gratitude in your hearts. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do in the word or deeds, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Each time we pray, we are reminding ourselves that it is all about him. In Acts chapter 17, verse 28, Peter says, For in him we live and move and have our beings. The person who prays is always a grateful person. You are keenly aware of what God has done and is doing today. Now let's move on to verses 3 and 4. Pray for gospel outreach. Having exhausted the collusions to pray, Paul gives them a specific request. At the same time, pray for us as well. The content of Paul's request was that God will open to us a door for the word that we may declare the mystery of Christ. The mystery of Christ here refers to the content of the gospel. As we have learned in Colossians, the mystery is that Christ has died for the sins of the whole world and that he comes to take up residence in our life when we receive him by faith. As Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 states, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul asked the Colossians to pray that he would have an open door to speak the full truth of the gospel. Paul wrote this word while under house arrest in Rome. Chained to a Roman soldier, his incarceration gave him ample opportunity to share the gospel with people who visited him and with the soldiers who were assigned to guard him. A. Ask for open doors. It's amazing to me that while Paul was under house arrest, he didn't ask for prayers for his release or for better food or for anything else like that. He simply wanted an open door for the gospel message. Even though he was locked up, he was able to minister effectively, but he needed the prayers of God's people for the doors to open. In scripture, a door is an opportunity or an ability. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 9, Paul says, A great door for effective work has opened to me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, he writes, When I came to Troas, 
to proclaim the good news of Christ, a door was opened for me in the Lord. In Colossians chapter 4 verse 3, Paul said, For which I am in prison. It was the preaching of the gospel that sent Paul into prison. He was aware that it would be the preaching of the gospel that would keep him there. That was why he was not too concerned to have prison doors opened up, but to have preaching doors opened up. If God opened the door for him to preach Christ in the prison, it would mean that he had to be remain in prison. The truth is that he did share with the guards and some were converted. He wrote to Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, I want you to know, beloved, that what has happened to me has actually helped to spread the gospel so that it was become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonments is for Christ. B. Ask for clarity. Paul requested the Colossian Christian to pray for him. In Colossians chapter 4, verses 3 to 4, he said, that we may declare the mystery of Christ so that I may reveal it clearly as I should. Paul requested not only for the effective open doors to preach the gospel, but also to have the ability to proclaim the mystery of Christ with clarity so that it would result into conversion of souls. An open door would be useless if people don't understand what you are talking about. So Paul seems to have a real concern that people won't understand what he was saying. It was his desire to proclaim the gospel message as clearly as he should. What are the lessons we can learn from verses 3 to 4? For Paul, there were no devastating circumstances, only unique opportunities. Is this your concern today? Do you have a prayer partner who prays that opportunities will open up for you to speak? Do you pray for someone that they will have opportunities which open up? This passage reminds us not to waste the opportunities once they open up for us. Most of us can trace our faith journey back to someone who took time to talk to you and extended a hand of friendship to you and shared Christ with you. It could have been in your campus, in school, in the office, a shopping mall, wherever. Someone touched you first before God touched your heart. The point is that the people are drawn to a person 
before they are drawn to God. Eventually, whether it be the next day or the next decade, they turn their lives over to Jesus. And it all happened because one Christ follower was willing to take a step of faith to share with another about his faith in Christ. This is what evangelism is all about. Be a true friend to someone. Third, Christ, a Christian conduct before outsiders. Verse 5 says, Conduct yourself wisely towards outsiders, making the most of the time. To conduct yourself wisely towards outsiders is to show practical Christian wisdom in dealing with secular society. Paul's words imply that believers are to be careful not to say or do anything that would make it difficult to share the gospel. We need to remember that those who don't yet know Christ are watching us. In a positive sense, they also imply that the believers should conduct themselves so that the way they live will attract, impress, and convict non-Christians and give the outsiders a favorable impressions of the gospel. Brothers and sisters, we need to be careful about the way we act. Because people are making decisions about the validity of Christianity based upon how we are living. When we pray, God will give us open doors. Let's not shut them by our behavior. B, make the most of opportunity. In verse 5, the phrase making the most of the time is a commercial term and means to buy up. It's the picture of finding something on sale and buying all you can afford because the price is so good. Likewise, we are to buy up every opportunity to speak for Christ when we see one. Living a godly life also involves making the best use of time and taking advantage to make the most out of the opportunity. We are to be alert to every opportunity to witness in the chance encounter. For examples, the unexpected turn in conversation, the opening that comes, that comes in expression of a need or the asking of a question. The signal given by that may appear casual, but reflects something deeper. The unplanned incident that brings the outsider into our lives in a way that mind and heart can meet. We are to seize the critical moment when it comes. Are you making the most 
of the opportunities you have every day. Let me encourage you to try to accomplish as much spiritual good as you can in all your relationships. Christian speech. Verse 5 focuses on how we walk. In verse 6, the emphasis is on how we talk. Consistency of life must be followed by consistency of speech. Paul is not speaking here of preaching the gospel, but of general conversation. A. Be gracious. Verse 6 challenges us to guard what comes out of our mouths. Our wise walk should lead to wise words. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. It's important that we communicate with words of grace when we speak with those who don't know Christ. Unfortunately, many times believers go off on people who are living in sin, or we let loose about a moral issue in our culture, forgetting that there may be someone listening who is caught in the particular sin. We need to be more like Jesus, who was a perfect embodiment of both proof and grace, even when he dwelt with sin. He spoke words of grace. In Luke chapter 4, verse 22, after listening to Jesus teach, the people responded, spoke all, he spoke well of him, and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. Believers' speech must always be gracious, as was Christ. There is no place for those things that characterize the unredeemed mouth, whether undergoing persecution, stress, difficulty, or injustice, whether with your spouse, children, believers, or unbelievers. In all circumstances, believers are to make gracious speech a habit. Be gracious in your speech means not to put people down, not to be rude, not to act like you are superior to people, but be present. B, be appetizing. The speech of the new person must also be seasoned with salt. It is not only to be gracious, but also to have an effect. Let your speech be seasoned with salt means it preserves and it gives flavor. Salt prevents corruption. Believer speech should act as a purifying influence, rescuing conversation from the filth that so often engulfs it. Salt also adds flavor. And the speech of the new person should be intelligent, a ruling adding 
captivating wit to conversation. Speech that is seasoned with thought is interesting, as opposed to dull. Speech that invites interaction as opposed to refusing to listen and discuss. Speech that adds spice to a discussion by penetrating to deeper levels. And speech that is pure and wholesome as opposed to filthy language. The last phrase, be ready. When we mix with non-Christians, believers, we need to be ready to give them an answer when they ask us some questions. Another situation is that when we are gracious and appetizing, people will want an explanation. This is a natural process that will happen when people see Christ in us. Peter put it this way in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But in your hearts, sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting from, for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. We must be ready to answer everyone. You can do that in a number of ways. First of all, simply tell your story. Talk about how you became a Christian. Secondly, tell his story. Focus on Jesus, explaining why he had to die on the cross and he need the need for us to respond to what he has done. Thirdly, invite your searching friends to a Sunday service, a morning service, or an event that specifically designed to reach out to non-Christians. Well, in conclusions, let's recap some of the lessons we learned this morning. First, prayer is vitally important to prepare people for receiving Christ. Make it a priority. Second, the Lord will open doors of opportunity. We must open our eyes for them and don't waste them. Seize every opportunity to share the gospel. Thirdly, we must be a Christian in our conduct and speech to others. May the Lord bless you. Amen.